At this time, we dismiss our middle schoolers to um, go to their class on Proverbs. And please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's reading comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezan, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to me, Ahaz, you and Shehar Jeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the washer's field, and say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of reason and Syria, and the son of Remaliah, because Syria with Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And at the head of Ephraim is Samaria, at the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to a test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, it is too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Syria. This is God's word. To us, a child is born, right? Let's pray. Lord, uh, this prophecy uh, seems so strange to us. Uh, it's found in the middle of so much war and strife and contention and just kind of, it's, it's a weird text for us to consider. Uh, I pray that you would give us understanding, that we would come to know you through your word in Christ's name. Amen. So if you're a Lord of the Rings fan or Wheel of Time series fan or any kind of epic fantasy novel or movie, uh, this is the text for you, right? This is, this is exciting times. This is a passage that you're going to love, I think. Um, because it's not just a prophecy about the virgin birth of Jesus, right? Uh, it's about so much more than that. It's about a story of a, a clash of kings, right? I mean, this is epic. This is awesome. This is like, 
I don't know, if you're into that stuff, this is really cool, right? So I'm into that stuff, so it's really cool. Um, but it's a story, ultimately, about the sovereignty of God over all things, over everything. Um, and so Isaiah 7, it's part of a larger sermon that the prophet Isaiah preached to a king of, uh, of Judah named Ahaz. And he was uh, the king over Jerusalem, which is the capital of, of uh, that nation. And so if we're going to understand what's happening here, we have to look a little bit earlier, um, which is why I wanted us to read uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 17, so we can kind of get a, a fuller context and understand what's going on. So we read this again, verses 1 and 2. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of uh, Ramalia, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. What a description, right? They're just like terrified of what's about to come. Uh, and so what we learn um, is that all of what we're reading is, is taking place in the 8th century, and it's in the middle of all of this politicking, right? Political clashes and, tri and um, uh, uh, alliances and, and warfare. And there are three kings that we see mentioned here. We see the king of Judah, so that's Ahaz. And there's another king uh, named Pekah. He's the king of Israel. And then there's another king, Rezin. He's the king of Syria. And at this time in Israel's history, it was a kingdom that was divided, so it wasn't united. It was split into two kingdoms. There was the north and the south. And we live in California, so probably what's most familiar to this, since I'm a NorCal boy, is just thinking about the north state and then southern California, right? There's the north and the south, right? So we can relate to that. I just met a fellow brother who's from the north state, so that was, that was encouraging. So there's at least two of us here. Um, Anyways, no, there's a lot more than that, but, uh, and, and, and only three of us could take on 20 SoCalians. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, kidding. I love SoCal. My, all my boys were born here, so. Um, okay, so uh, a political alliance formed between Israel and, and Syria, and um, uh, they kind of pledged to attack Judah, the south, right? So SoCal's under attack. And, and they're doing this uh, because Ahaz refuses to fight against the kingdom of Assyria, different from Syria. So then there's Assyria, uh, a large conquering nation. And um, it was gunning for control over their land. And so they, they thought, if we can kill, right, if we unite and we kill Ahaz, we'll put a, uh, a more obedient king on the throne of Judah who will listen to us and who will go up together. Uh, so it'll be us three against Assyria, and we'll take down this mighty uh, Assyria. And you can read about all of that in 2 Kings chapter 16 if you're taking notes and you want to follow along where that is uh, in the Bible. And so all, all while this is happening, uh, south of, of Judah is a place called Edom. And this land, this region, this kingdom, uh, the people started attacking Judah uh, from the west side. So now Judah was being attacked by three groups of people. Pretty threatening. That's why he's shaking like a tree, right? And so that's, that's when we see Isaiah comes into the picture. It's in the middle of being surrounded that Israel comes before 
uh, King Ahaz, and he says, the Lord is sovereign, right? The Lord is going to protect you. He's reminding him of God's protection and of God's promise uh, to King David long before that, right, that he would establish his throne forever and, and the, the house of David would survive. He's, he's encouraging him. He's trying to provide for him. And, and he's, he, he gives it under a condition, though, that if Ahaz trusts in the Lord, right, if he trusts in this promise, then his kingdom won't collapse. Um, God will protect him. And he refuses, though, to believe in this promise. It's, it's pretty sad. Uh, and, and so um, we read on. We see Ahaz, he puts his trust somewhere else. So I want to I look now, jump to verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord, of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Check this out. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Very strong statement here. Uh, God is making his divine power available to Ahaz, right? He's saying, ask anything you want, as high as the heavens, as, as low as, as uh, Sheol. And uh, how does Ahaz respond? Not going to ask, right? And he quotes Deuteronomy. He quotes uh, a scripture, I will not put the Lord to the test. It's a very pious answer, right? Very, very pious. And why would he do this? Why would he refuse the Lord? He refuses the Lord because this man is very practical. He's very practical. He's made a, a political alliance with the Syrian king already. Uh, and I want to read this from 2 Kings 16, 7. There he tells the king of Assyria, he says this, 2 Kings 16, 7. I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of, of the king of Assyria, of Syria, sorry, and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Right. I want to point this out because we see Ahaz is placing his trust in the king of Assyria instead of who? God, right? So God is not his true king, which is a problem if you're Judah, right? Where the capital Jerusalem is, that's supposed to worship who? God, right? So uh, maybe I think this is a good time to uh, take a, a pause and to check uh, our own pulse, right? Our own uh, religious pulse here and take a moment to consider something in our own lives that you know, Ahaz could not trust God. Can we? Can we trust God? Um, it's a lot easier to place our trust, right, in the scene in political alliances and allegiances, right, in, in, in uh, Assyria, uh, or our bank accounts, or our retirement plans, or our health, uh, than it is to trust in God, right, that God is the one who's sovereign over all things, and that he will protect us. Jesus said uh, later in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, do not be anxious about tomorrow. I'll be the first con to confess that um, I'm often anxious about today. I'm not even thinking about tomorrow. I'm already anxious about right now, you know. And so, um, will we refuse to put our trust in the Lord today like Ahaz did? I want to keep reading. Uh, so, despite the refusal, right, to ask for a sign, God says, ask for a sign. He says, uh-uh, ain't going to do it. What happens? 
God is determined to give him one anyways, right? So Isaiah says this, verse 13. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, uh, sorry, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. And so here we find God giving Ahaz uh, both promise and threat at the same time. I'm going to explain that in a little bit. I want to take a moment to pause on verse 14. Because verse 14 is a a bit controversial. Um, There's controversy surrounding it. Because uh, the translation here for for virgin uh, could either be virgin or young woman. And that's the debate. And so if you base the, the translation off the Hebrew, that's where you get young woman. If you base it off of the Greek Septuagint, that's where you get virgin. And there's a lot of debate, and I'm not going to enter into that long debate right now. It's, like I said, it's very long. Um, but I, I do want to mention this, that um, if you base it off the Greek Septuagint, as the Gospel of Matthew does, uh, then it's virgin, and this is a direct fulfillment of the prophecy, right, that came true with the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And, and um, I also want to point out that Matthew's not wrong to use this word because later in, I think it's uh, Isaiah 8, chap, uh, chapter 8, verse 10, um, that Emmanuel is used, right? God with us is used. And, and paired with chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 7, it's clear that from Isaiah's perspective, right, if we take this larger view, this is a messianic prophecy. It's talking about uh, Emmanuel, who's God with us. And... Um, if we look at this with, with kind of two horizons in view, right, we see that it can be true that there's the young woman, right, which is the Hebrew translation, which is becoming true in Isaiah's own day, and at the same time, there's the virgin that's promised out in the future. So that's enough on that. I just wanted to mention it. Ask questions after the sermon if you'd like, um, and uh, both can be true. That's all I want to say on that. So... It's clear, though, that in Ahaz's own day, there would be a child who was born uh, that, would, that would be a sign. And uh, this young woman, uh, maybe Ahaz, uh, a relative of his or uh, some relation to Isaiah, would give birth, and it would be a sign indicating both promises and threats. What are those promises and those threats? Um, I want to read verse 16. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Wow, that's good news, right? Emmanuel's coming means that the two enemies that Judah faces, that's Syria and Israel, are going to be demolished. That's really good. That's a good promise for for Judah, for Ahaz. Um, On the other hand, though, if we keep reading on to Isaiah chapter 8, we read of a big threat coming. God is going to bring the king of Assyria against Judah. Uh-oh, right? That's a big problem. Uh, so the guy who trusted in Assyria, the same world power that's going to crush Ahaz's enemies, is now going to turn around, right, break his promise to Ahaz, and break Ahaz and his kingdom. Isn't that the case with all idolatry? Right? The very thing that we bow down to 
um, that promises life to us, that promises that it will satisfy us, doesn't bring life, doesn't bring satisfaction, doesn't help us. We're in the, the second week of Advent, and, and now we see two sides of the same coin here. Uh, that God with us can mean two things. It can mean judgment or salvation. Right? It can be very, very good news, or it can be very, very bad news. God with us. I don't think we often think of, of, of both sides of that. Um, and so it can be a comforting word or it can be um, a great threat. Because if, if God shows up, right, and we're not trusting in Christ, we're not trusting in that sign that is given, judgment comes our way. It's not a friendly thing. It's a deadly thing. And so as we think about this Advent text, right, how do we come before the manger in Bethlehem? How do we approach this manger? Of Jesus? Do we gaze upon this child in the manger with utter humility as somebody who knows that we don't deserve his gifts and yet we find ourselves praying, right, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner? And do we trust in the promise of God to save us, right, to protect us, to care for us? Or do we refuse him? Because today God's asking you to trust in him. King Ahaz would not. He refused to place his future in the Lord's hands. But you don't have to be like him. Uh, thankfully, in the Bible, we have uh, a host of other saints, a whole host of other people who, instead of uh, turning their back on the Lord like Ahaz did, trusted in the Lord and his promises. And uh, the invitation that Joseph and Mary had when they were asked to trust the Lord um, they, they, they believed, right? Um, the angel Gabriel came to Mary in, in the Gospel of Luke, and he promised her, the Lord is with you, right? Emmanuel, right? God, God with you. Um, and Mary's response to that invitation was, let it be done to me according to your word. And Joseph's response was one of faith in the promise, too. The child, Emmanuel, who's God with us, was born. In Christ's first advent, it's interesting that God comes to us to be God with us as a child. I'll think about that for a minute. Just take a moment to reflect on what that means, right? God shows up, right? He could have been, he had every right to be angry and violent at all of the injustice that's in the world around us, right? All of the bad things that we see people do to each other, all of the corruption and the greed in political offices, all of the hatred that um, nation has against nation and people have against people, right? All of that stuff that even we ourselves, right, are guilty of. And God shows up not with vengeance, right, but he comes as a child in a manger, dependent, vulnerable, so that we might receive him instead of fear him. That's how God shows up the first time. He came to save, not to judge, but to save. Will we trust in him? Um, another amazing truth about Advent that we, that we learn from this passage is that this baby in the manger is the sovereign ruler who's come down to earth. 
It's, it's, it's mind-blowing when we think about this because the one who <clears throat> has power over all things, the one who rules over everything, has all authority in heaven and on earth, is someone who submits himself to earthly rule, authority, and power. Right? We see Jesus uh, going before Pontius Pilate, who's just a, 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 like a governor, you know, a, a small-time ruler, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? Those were his words to Pilate. The king of all kings came to live a life without any political power and clout, without any palace to rule from. The king of life, um, uh, he, he lived the kind of life that doesn't sound at all like a man who's king of kings. Uh, when we look at Jesus' life, he fails to establish earthly rule and he was instead crucified by the powers and the rulers of his day. Why would Jesus, who's king of kings, do that? Why would he let himself get crucified? Why would he let that happen? I'll put it this way. If Jesus hadn't done everything the way he did it, we would still be ruled by ourselves. The entire story of the Bible shows us how well that one plays out, right? When we think that we should be on the throne instead of God, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, they wanted to be on the throne. How did that work out? Not so great. Israel wanted to have their own king, basically wanted to rule in their own way. How did that work out? How does it work out when we want to rule, right, in our own way, when we want to be sovereigns? We want to be in control of everything. Usually doesn't work out. Not very well. And naturally, we want things to be in our control, right? We want uh, to be in control. We want to make every decision. That's what it means to be sovereign. That's what it means to be in charge. What are some places in your life that you want to be sovereign? Maybe you're a teenager, and you can't wait to be out from mom and dad's roof, right? So you can make your own rules. You can eat ice cream at 3 a.m., play video games till 4 a.m., Sleep in till noon or 2 p.m., right? You don't want to make, call your own shots, right? Or uh, maybe, you know, you're tired of just being an employee. You'd like to be the boss, and uh, you want to make the shots, right? You want to call the shots. You, you want to um, uh, tell your employees what to do. Look, there's only one sovereign ruler in the whole world, and that sovereign ruler isn't you. And that sovereign rule isn't me. The good news is this king isn't one who takes power and uses power and abuses power, but he's one who gives up power. He's the one who suffered for us. And Jesus did this so that he could become ruler over your life and allow for you to give up rule, that he would be king of your heart because he knew that we wouldn't be very good rulers at all if we were left by ourselves. <clears throat> if you've been zoning out, or if uh, you're a child, or you know, you're, you're here and uh, just paying attention, I just want to summarize really quick where we've been and, and where we are. Um, there was a king named Ahaz, and he was surrounded by a bunch of bad guys, a bunch of enemies. And he um, needed protection. 
A prophet named Isaiah came into the picture and said, hey, God will protect you if you trust in him. Ahaz says, I don't want to trust in him. I want to trust in a bigger power that I can see and touch, basically, king of Assyria. And he trusts in Assyria instead of God. The thing is, we don't have to be like Ahaz, right? We don't have to trust in our own resources. But God is offering himself to be the one to trust in. God is saying, I will give you a sign. His name is Jesus. He's the one who's been promised to give you salvation. He's the one who's promised to give you peace. And as we celebrate uh, during the season of Advent, the birth of the King of Kings, we're called to trust in this baby in the manger, this King who is God with us. I just want to ask, will you trust in this King? Will you trust in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, it's still the hour where you're saying to us, uh, to anyone who will bend the knee before the manger where the King of Kings first showed up. And in that manger, you're saying to us, I'm not against you, I'm with you. Father, we thank you that Jesus showed up in that way, that you loved us so much that you would do this, that you would provide for us everything that we need. Uh, We ask that you would cause us to trust in you today, that we would turn from all of the other things that we think will save us and deliver us and give us freedom and help us, and we'd instead turn to you and trust in you. Pray this in Jesus' name.